Welcome to Encompass Purpose with Brad Bird, a show about topics people try to avoid. Change, accountability, Christianity, business, and family. Discipleship and loving thy neighbor are not suggestions. There's never been a time when the truth is more needed. So here's your host, Bradley Bird. And so that wasn't even an option in Utah. I mean, the only way to start a church there was... Uh, you know, yeah, we needed, we did need to recruit a few people who were already believers to help us because otherwise it was just me and my wife. But even with them, what we had to do was actually lead people to faith in Christ. And um, so that they could become part of the, the church. I mean, it, so it was like, I call it zero, zero based church planning. It was very analogous. In fact, I had a friend who planted a church in Utah, and then he went to a Muslim country and planted a church in, in a Muslim country. And he said, it's kind of the same thing. They're religious people. They're moral people. Um, you know, they have a book, they have an angel. They have, I mean, the parallels between Islam and Mormonism are really similar, really kind of eerie. Um, uh, but anyway, so that's the kind of place that Utah is. And uh, man, it was terrifying when we first went there uh, and I just thought, you know, man, can this even be done? You know, in fact, well, I had a friend that tried to start a church and and never got and never got off the ground after a, a year of banging his head against the wall. So I thought, why am I going to have any other success? But by the grace of God, um, you know, we saw over several years, we saw a handful of people become followers of Jesus who actually, when we first met them, they were part of the Mormon church or they didn't have a church that they were part of. And that made them, most of the people in Utah, if they're not Mormon, they're very anti any kind of religion. So it's, it, there's just no, no easy low hanging fruit there. You know, it's either I have no interest in religion or I've already got it covered. Thank you very much. Um, and so those are the, that was the field. So we were thrilled after several years that we saw some people come to faith in Christ. And we started wondering is there a pattern that people go through that we can identify and actually be intentional that helps move people toward faith in Jesus? And in the process of doing this, uh, we discovered what I think is a, uh, it's a revolutionary way of thinking about disciple making. Uh, but, but here's what we discovered. So we, we got the people together. Actually, we interviewed them individually. And we just said, tell us about how you came to faith in Jesus. We, we didn't, we, we weren't sure what we were going to discover, but we just wanted, we were curious about like, how did they move toward Jesus? So um, the question, the first question was, what was happening in your life just before you decided to follow Jesus? And they gave all kinds of answers. You know, I was going through a divorce, da, 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 all these different things. But the one thing everybody said that was in common was they knew somebody who was a follower of Jesus. So there was a, so that was something everybody had in common was they knew somebody, there was a personal relationship with somebody who was, who they knew was already following Jesus and actually was actively inviting to follow them to follow Jesus with them. That was, that was the one thing they all had in common, which was huge. We said, okay, wait, everybody that's now following Jesus that, that wasn't before, but just before that. Okay. Well, what, how did they, because in Mormon culture, in Utah culture, Mormons are pretty isolated from people who aren't Mormons because they go to church together, they go to school together, they work together. And so 
we thought, how did they meet these Christians? Because there's, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not, a, it's not really natural. And it turned out that it was because of things like there were natural connections, but, but the Christians had to be intentional. So maybe they worked together uh, at the same place. So the, so the initial connection, we realized, was not about spiritual matters. It was just practical stuff. They, they played on the same ball team together. They, lived, they were neighbors. They went to work together. They went to school together. There was something, quote-unquote, quote not spiritual that connected, but there was a relationship there. They, they were in relationship. So they were, before they knew the person was a Christian, they were in relationship. They, they had a friendship going. And so, well, how did that happen? Well, there was an introduction. <laughs> there was an introduction. So they, they had to meet the person in order to become a friend. And then how did that happen? Well, you don't want to be introduced to people that you're afraid of or you're scared of or you think are weird or crazy. And so there's, you know, there's this, the reality in Utah is Mormons have been kind of, at that point, at least this was back in 1990, they had been taught that Christians were kind of, people to avoid, you know? So there was this bias to stay away from. If, if you identified yourself as Christians, they're like, okay, I need to stay away from you, you know? So we realized that something about the interaction overcame that fear. So we, we, the way we described it was they became aware before they were introduced to the person, they became aware of them in a positive way. We call it positive awareness. And, and so all of a sudden it, it dawned on us that there were kind of four things or four realities that every one of these people that had come to faith in Christ had in common that we could actually be intentional about as a church and as individuals. And so those four things were number one. So the first, and by the way, just the other thing to throw in here, during all of this, we started thinking about disciple making. And we realized, we said, wait a minute, how did Jesus make disciples? He didn't start with, hey, who wants to come to a class on disciple making or being a disciple or something? He didn't start with the class. He started by going, you know, he went to where people were at and invited them to just hang out with him. And when here's and the other question we wrestled with was when did the disciples become Christians? And we realized it kind of looks like they he called them disciples before they were actually identified as Christians before, you know, and it, it, there's all different answers to that scholars don't agree necessarily when the disciples quote unquote became Christians. But one thing that's pretty clear is he didn't invite them to become Christians. He invited them to be, be disciples first. And so we concluded, and Jesus even said it, if you, the story in, in about Zacchaeus, he comes into the town, all the religious people are waving and cheering Jesus is in town, and he just ignores those guys and calls out Zacchaeus, the worst sinner in town, and says, I want to come to your house. He was making this huge statement um, that, uh, you know, we, the, the, his priority as a disciple maker was, I want to hang out with people who need to move toward Jesus or toward faith in God. And he said in that, that's when he made this, what I think is one of the most uh, clear statements of the mission of Jesus. And I think it's the mission of the church. He said, I came, the son of man came to seek and to save that which is lost. And for us, it was like lights came on. We realized disciple making sort of has two major 
segments. One is the seeking side and the other is the saving side. And the seeking side is, you know, helping people move toward faith in Christ. And that's what those four categories that we talked about, that's where they land is over on the seeking side. But then there's the saving side, which is just as important. And that's helping people grow in their faith in Jesus, which is what often is defined as disciple-making in church, is we're helping you grow as a follower of Jesus. But we said, wait a minute, what, what we really need to think about is this is, there's a whole, we call it broadband broad band disciple-making. And there's the seeking side and there's the saving side. And there, we need to have intentionality on both sides. And that means that, you know, if you're doing that, and going back to church habits, we suggest churches need to spend as much time seeking as they do saving. And so a lot of times all we do is about, you know, let's get together and worship God together and let, let's learn the word. And, and again, nothing terrible about that, except if that's the end in itself. No, we, we are saved for what? To join Jesus on his mission to what? Seek and save that which is lost. And so it's this, it, it, you, you activate. So, so the mature Christian is activated to be over here doing what? So then we came up with, we said, okay, so what's the intentionality over here? How do we help somebody move from not knowing Jesus at all to deciding to follow Jesus? Well, the first step is make them aware of us in a positive way. We're the vessel that God is using. We're not saving them, but we're the physical kind of manifestation representation of Jesus and the kingdom of God in their life. And so we need to think about making them aware of it's a positive way. And another way to put that is don't be a jerk. That, so in other words, the first step of disciple making is don't be a jerk. You know, get around people uh, and, and be around people in a way that when they think about their encounter with you, they don't want to stay away from you or they, they, they don't think, man, that person's weird. I want to be around them or whatever. Um, that just means be a be a kind you know, the, the scripture actually says it's your kindness lord that leads us to repentance you know it's your kindness so you know be a kind person and and obviously that does mean you know be full of the holy spirit and be operating in the gifts of the spirit and you know the fruit of the spirit make that you know all of that is when when somebody is truly manifesting the presence and the power and the spirit of god they're going to be somebody people like being around because they're kind and they're thoughtful and respectful and they're, they're honoring and, and they're curious about the other people and stuff like that. So number one, step one, phase one is be intentional about, um, you know, making people aware of you in a positive way. Then out of that, so now you have all these people, you're just walking down the street, you're saying hi, you don't learn everybody's name that you pass on the street, or you don't necessarily know everybody's name who works in the same place that you do or goes to school. But some of those people, the second phase is connect, which we, which we say means you learn their name in a way that they know that you know their name. So they give you permission to have their name and you begin to pray for them. You begin to pray for them. Um, and so this is, the, this is the second step of intentionality in the, in the seeking side of disciple making is connecting with people in a way. And here's the thing, this name thing is a big deal. If you think about the scriptures, there's actually entire chapters of the Bible that are just names of people. Names are really important to God and they need to be important to us because they are actually sort of like a identifier 
of a wonderful create creation of God. Every person is a unique creator. God loves. He's so big. He's so amazing. He can love the eight, every single one of the individual 8 billion or so people that are on the planet right now and knows exactly what's going on with. But the name is something we can grab onto as the identifier. When we say Brad, when I say Brad, God knows the Brad I have in mind. It's, it's you. You know, and if I'm praying for you, even though there's a bunch of people in the world named Brad, he knows the Brad that I'm talking about. And so beginning to pray for people. It's just a powerful way of moving, again, helping them move toward faith in Christ. Do they need to know that you're praying for them? No, they don't need to know because what you're doing is you're inviting the presence and power of God into their life and stuff is going to start happening for them that they don't even understand why. But it's it's the Holy Spirit working their life because you are partnering with the Holy Spirit. You're partnering with Jesus on his mission to, to seek and save the lost. And then the third phase is what we what we call it's just relationship, just a good old fashioned word. It's out of, so it's possible, you know, you might know 150 people by name, but it's really hard to have a relationship with 150 people. That's, that's meaningful. So out of that pool of people, you know, by name, and you're praying for them, some of them are going to be people that you actually form a relationship with. And we define relationship as, you know, their story, and they know that you know their story. And you're connecting with them on a fairly regular basis. We know we don't try to make it too confining, but you have a relationship with somebody mainly when you when you know something about them, you know. So, um, and and generally that happens when you do things like share a meal together, do something that you enjoy together, uh, work at a hobby together, um, work together. Uh, you know, be a coworker on a job. Their you know, relationships are often often the closest relationships we have are people that we work with. And, um, and just having that relationship, again, the relationship is not based on spiritual stuff. It's just based on stuff you have in common. So, and, and cultivating those relationships is part of the intentionality of the seeking side of discipleship. And so, like, just the other night, just two nights ago, we had a couple from our building here. We live in a high-rise condo in downtown Denver. We invited a couple that we've met through other ways. We knew their name. We've been praying for them invited them to come and have a meal with us. And we had a wonderful time and got to know them. I mean, what we thought might be an hour turned into three hours of just really wonderful conversation. And, and so we, now we know so much more about them and, and they've even reached out to us and shared some things that's going on in their life that they really don't want other people to know about. And so, uh, you know, that relationship is real and it's not, it's not based on, uh, you know, necessarily spirituality, although that started to to come into the conversation as we went along, because that's the next step is as you are in relationship with somebody, spiritual conversations are the next thing. So some of the people you're really in relationship with, maybe all you ever do is play ball with them and share life a little bit. Uh, but some of those, it's going to, the door's going to open up for spiritual conversations. And that's where you start talking about, that's where they know that you know Jesus and you would like for them to know Jesus and you're helping them. They're, maybe they're starting to ask spiritual questions, you know, like one of our neighbors, <laughs> she, she said, now, now we believe that in re reincarnation, right, Steve, you know, and well, okay, well, we, we can, let, let's think about that together. Let's see what the scripture says about that. And so, you know, that's spiritual conversations is you're, you're wrestling around, you're, you're, you're thinking through, you know, what, what, what is true? What is untrue? Who is God and who is he not? And those kind of things. And then, you know, 
that that sets you up. It's out of those spiritual conversations where the moment comes, hey, are you ready to follow Jesus? You know, can I just help you make that decision to repent of your sin and give your life to Jesus? And so it's so you you can see it's it's some sort of a funnel. You start with lots of people are aware of you in a positive way. A smaller number of people, uh, you know their name and you're praying for them. A smaller people number you're in relationship. A smaller number you're having spiritual conversations. And maybe even a smaller number are actually making decision to follow Jesus. But uh, so you, when we, when somebody is, and then uh, on the other side, then there's things as they begin to follow Jesus, you're helping them, you know, learn what Christians believe and learn what it means to uh, begin to act, uh, act in a way that, that demonstrates that you're a follower of Jesus. And those kinds of things, that's the, that's the maturing growing side. That's the saving side. And so, as a as a follower of Jesus and as an activated disciple maker, I think about okay, who is in my life that's in that first category? Who's in my life in the second category? All the way up to who's in my life that's man, they are growing and maturing in Christ, and they're ready to lead others to Christ. And 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 so I want to have people across the spectrum that I'm helping, and I want to have people helping me uh, grow. And and that's and and so that's me as an individual, and then as a faith community, creating your rhythms around, okay, we're all activated disciple makers. So we're going to do stuff like we're having an event that's just specifically designed for you to go to the next level in relationship with people. So we're just going to have a fun time, bring your friends. We're not going to preach. We're not going to play Christian music in the background. We're just going to, you know, have a picnic and have a blast and eat some watermelon or whatever. That's a relationship uh, building opportunity. And, and so people can go, okay, wait, I've got, you know, 10 friends I can invite to that and they know it's going to be the right thing. So anyway, I'll shut up and let you <laughs> ask clarifying questions. No, I appreciate it. Cause with my cold, it, uh, nobody wants to hear me talk too much very <laughs> nasally, but no, I think that's, uh, something you really hit on there's so many different ways to disciple. Um, You know, I always just say I, I can plant a seed and then it's up to the Holy spirit from there. You know, that's, I just try to plant a seed, but like Chip and Rebecca, you're going to be, I think speaking to next week. Yeah. They have a whole thing that they do totally a lot different than what I do. Yeah. Um, And they're very dedicated to it. Yeah. You know, and then we have a speaker coming in, uh, uh, Sam Childers, machine gun preacher. Um, he has a thing over in Africa. There's just so many different ways that you can disciple. And right. You're talking about modality. Yeah. You're talking about modalities. Yeah. There's lots of different methodologies. Um, and, and I think it's, I, I think that you can, what, what, what we've, what I've just suggested are principles like, People, you're cooperating. People are God, the Holy Spirit is drawing people toward Jesus. What we identified was we're, we're not methodologies, but these are principles. So again, I, I guarantee you, I absolutely guarantee you, in the way you guys are making disciples, in the way Chip and Rebecca, everybody, you can start to pick up. There's going to be a relational connection. That's part of it. There's going to be there's going to be prayer over those people. It may not be in exactly the same order I just gave and stuff, but it's all. The point is, um, I think the principles are universal. 
and the methodologies are diverse. They must be diverse. Like the worst mistake you could make is I'm, I'm, I'm going to be machine, machine gun preacher, you know, uh, because there's only one of him, you know, mm-hmm. and you, you can't be Chip and Rebecca. They're, they're, they, they've got a special niche. You got to be you. And yet the principles underline it. You, you're, you're wanting people, you want to help people seek and you want to help people or you want to seek and save, you know, those, those are the universals, how you do those things. It's all, the beauty is it's, it's part of who you are. It becomes the methodology and the opportunities that you have and the context that you're in. It has to be done a different way. Obviously in a city, you're going to make disciples differently than in a, in a, rural community and in a suburb, you know, there's, there's going to be different stuff. So good point. Yeah. And I think, you know, you talking about the 20th century churches to the 21st, I'm starting to see where it seemed like in the past churches had their own thing and very inclusive. Now there's getting to be more and more unity. And I think that's terrific because even if we don't exactly work together, if we're on the same mission, working in the same ways, we can reach so many more people, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Which is kind of sort of, I'll use that as a segue moment for our community, because that's kind of what, you know, the next wave community is a place for people. It really, we honestly don't really care what your denominational affiliation is. We have people from a lot of different denominations that are now part of this, this growing community. But what, everybody has in common is they're all people who are exploring um, uh, non, I call it non-conventional ways of being the church or doing church. Um, And um, uh, you know, so the, the original idea when I wrote the book, I was thinking, man, all the examples I have in the book are going to be outdated pretty fast. So is there a way that we can continue to learn together? And, and that's the idea of the community is, is, people are out there learning. So we have, you know, we have a lady in Russia. One of the members of the community is Katya, who's a lady in Russia, who's leading a microchurch movement in Russia. It's illegal. It's not even something, you're, you know, you're supposed to do. But she she reached out and said, man, this is my tribe. You guys are talking my language here. You know, we have Eleanor Quay, who's a medical doctor that's doing microchurches on public housing projects in Lansing, Michigan. Um, we got you. Brad, you know, uh, who's doing what you're doing in Iberia. Um, we've got a guy planning a microchurch network in um, Boulder, Colorado, um, you know, and there's there's almost 150 people now are, are, are not just people. I think there's some of them are couples. So there's more than 150, but there's there's just a growing group of people that are that are there. And we we use we chose a platform that is not Facebook. I realize you can have, you can have groups like that sound like they're like this on Facebook, but um, this is, this is off of Facebook. So you're not, advertisements aren't being thrown at you. Um, You're not being stalked. You're not seen as somebody that, you know, we're trying to sell stuff to or whatever. Um, It's, it's actually, so we, and we actually, we call it curated community. We actually work at facilitating engagement between the people that are on the platform. So that's what you, you mentioned earlier, I think before we started the recording that you've noticed it's a pretty active space. And, and that's because there's two reasons for that. Number one is everybody there is there because they found a place where 
they don't have to keep saying, oh, that doesn't fit. That doesn't fit. That most, maybe 90% of them, I'm sure there's going to be things that aren't perfect, but most of the stuff they're reading and hearing and most of the other people they're hearing about, they go, yes, 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 this is, this is where I belong. So that's one reason why they're so engaged. And the second is because we, we really are intentional about facilitating engagement. So we're every day almost there's something new on there that we throw out a question or we throw out, uh, you know, we, we put up, there's fresh content being added all the time. Every week we have a weekly, we call it a community meetup where we actually get together live on zoom. Anybody that wants to, and usually there's, you know, now I think we average about 12 to 20 people out of the 150 that show up. And we always have an interesting guest. Uh, last week, we had Steve Donaldson, who's friends with your friends there, Chip and Rebecca. Um, and, you know, just an amazing story of what Real, Real Compassion is doing. And everything Real Compassion is, is totally in, in alignment with everything we're talking about here, about the, the transition of the 21st century church. Steve is a visionary who, who saw that you know, rural churches were, were struggling because they were, they were trying to live in up to this stereotype of what um, the church was supposed to be, but it was really hard to do that in a rural community. And he, so he really hard started helping them shift. So that's just one we've got, his was our 59th interview. So our 60th interviews coming up this coming week. Thank you for listening and we will catch you next time. Visit us on Facebook at Encompass Purpose Radio.